Support for this WXAV podcast is being provided by Bookies, new and used books. Located at 10324 Southwestern Avenue in Chicago, Bookies specializes in new and used books. Their selection includes new releases, bestsellers, and books that are out of print. For more information, please visit their website at bookieschicago.com. You can also find them on Facebook by searching Bookies Chicago or call them at 773-239-1110. This podcast is being brought to you by WXAV 88.3 FM and WXAV.com. WXAV, bringing the best podcasts to you. Hi, this is Peter Creighton from WXAV 88.3 FM Chicago and WXAV.com. Jazz has long been considered America's classical music. From Louis Armstrong to Dave Brubeck, Miles Davis to John Coltrane, Johnny Smith and Duke Ellington to Ella Fitzgerald and Billie Holiday, jazz music has consistently been the soundtrack to America. And for almost 50 years, the Jazz Institute of Chicago has celebrated, promoted, and educated the public on this great musical form. Recently, I was able to speak with Howard Mandel, a board member of the Jazz Institute of Chicago, where he serves as secretary and president of the Jazz Journalist Association. In the conversation you're about to hear, Howard discusses the origins of jazz, its impact on American culture, and Chicago's role in the development of jazz. Here now, my conversation with Howard Mandel. Being that we're in Chicago, can you discuss just a little bit about how Chicago influenced jazz as a whole? Well, I mean, this is really the city that um, commercialized jazz and popularized it and kind of stabilized it very early. Of course, there was a lot of jazz coming up from New Orleans, but there was more business in Chicago. And uh, that's why the uh, musicians like King Oliver came up to Chicago in uh, 1919. There was more work here. It was a higher level work. And when he got here, and then, you know, two years later called uh, Louis Armstrong to come up, that really shifted the power balance, you know, in the whole country because uh, Armstrong was the guy who was going to modernize African-American music and did so. And then people like Earl Hines and then Benny Goodman and the white musicians from the um, Austin High Gang who uh, popularized were on the radio a lot. Uh, and then Earl Hines' big band uh, coming out of Chicago and people like Lionel Hampton. So through the 20s, the 30s, I mean, Jelly Roll Morton was also important in Chicago very early on, even before recordings were available. And Chicago just has continued to uh, generate great talent. Yesterday, I produced the Jazz Awards, and we had uh, Kurt Elling, Tamika Reed, Nicole Mitchell, all Chicagoans who were award winners, and uh, Matt Wilson, who's from Galesburg, Illinois. It has continued to be an important place uh, where musicians have come from, been able to live and work and develop their talents. Sometimes they move away like Sunrod did or like uh, Johnny Griffin. But uh, Chicago's always been a hotbed of development. You know, there's, I think, a lot of people my age who don't listen to jazz on a, on a regular basis. But you always hear that jazz is America's music. It was really created here in the United States and that. Can you give us just a really um, brief overview of how jazz came to be and how it was created? Oh, <laughs> Uh, that's kind of a big question. Uh, 
jazz is an amalgam of all the American sounds, and it uses the American spirit of improvisation and practicality, and uh, it crosses the class and race and ethnicity boundaries. And, you know, the great thing about America has always been its melting pot uh, aspect, that that we've welcomed uh, people from all nations, and uh, then it's up to those people to find their way into our culture. And one of the ways that they found their way into the culture is by making their music and then bringing their music into the, the national music as a word. And I also think that jazz is been the result of the process of urbanization. So people uh, leaving the rural uh, roots and going to the city and being able to deal with what it is to be a, a city person and, and faster pace of life and the modernization, um, all these things are, are uh, part and parcel of jazz, really essential to it. And uh, from the swing dances through the avant-garde, it, it, it reflects the sound of our nation and it reflects our nation's character, I think. I'm going to throw another big question out there for you, too, because you were kind of touching about it uh, towards the end. You know, how has jazz impacted American culture? You mentioned how, you know, America's the melting pot and all these different cultures got to blend together and jazz was a part of that blending and everything. But just as a whole genre of music, I mean, when you think of the early 20s, you know, it's the it's the jazz age and everything. So can you just uh, discuss a little bit about just jazz's overall impact as you see it on American culture? Well, jazz introduced the idea of improvisation and it deformalized, it deformalized music. It meant that you could pick up your horn and or whatever instrument you were playing and just start wailing. You didn't have to uh, go through uh, 300 years of uh, European classical music in order to claim a stage. And uh, so that really, after World War One, when America was very prosperous and urbanization was super taking off, and, you know, it was the American century. America was definitely on the rise. Jazz reflected that optimism, and it fed into it. You know, you could uh, look at the development of the movies parallel to jazz. You can certainly look at the development of animation as an art form in development of jazz. You see visual artists like Stuart Davis and Modrian, Piet Modrian, taking on jazz and, and uh, using the African-American element that had been this kind of a subaltern uh, culture and bringing it into the mainstream culture, uh, not bringing it in. It, uh, African-Americans uh, found their way to establish their culture and then open it up and allow other Americans to partake of what it had, the rhythms, the colors, the vividness, the joie de vivre, the immediacy, the spontaneity, all that, and uh, the forbearance, you know, which is going to keep going. You know, jazz has never been a hugely marketable, funded art form, but jazz musicians don't care. They want to play, and people want to listen. Popular dance came out of uh, just before World War One. And James Reese Europe, who had a ragtime orchestra, uh, was the accompanist to the um, uh, the family of John Blankamp, the couple that uh, popularized uh, social dancing as a uh, entertainment form. The Castles, uh, Vernon and Irene Castle, and uh, uh, that that also fed into American culture. It just 
um, I think it le- sort of legitimized African Americans as being contributors to our culture in a different way than they had been seen prior to the popularization of jazz, and that has meant a whole shift in the social attitudes of this country overall. That's not to say that everybody's uh, thoroughly integrated happily right now, but um, or yet, but it's sped that movement and it opened up America to even more people. And also, you know, the Italians and the Irish who contributed to jazz, early jazz. So, you know, it, it was a a framework in which people could express themselves, retain their cultural backgrounds, and reinvent themselves also in, in, in something that was for the present. And that's that's American. We don't, um, in this country, tie ourselves to our uh, ancestors' homes, to, to the way our great-grandparents lived. We're always looking to um, reinvent, to update, to adapt to new situations and characteristics. I think jazz has shown how people can do that. It's encouraged people to do that. Uh, it's reflected people doing that. I mean, jazz is the music that you hear in the movies. It's the music you hear in a lot of TV ads. Mm-hmm. Maybe we take it too much for granted, but it's always in the background. This is our music. You know, just listening to you to you speak, Howard, you can hear the the passion and the love you have for jazz music. It's it's infectious. Can you talk a little bit about how uh, you first discovered jazz and then how you first fell in love with it? Well, I grew up on the south side of Chicago in the South Shore, and um, I heard early R&B music on the radio, WVON or WLS, CFL at that time, were playing, uh, you know, some pretty rock and sock and rhythm and blues. Um, I always gravitated towards uh, Aretha Franklin and coasters and uh, you know just took me as interesting music uh, my parents had a few jazz records but not a lot I liked some of what they had I didn't like some of the other things so much but um, uh, let's see I went probably my earliest live musical experience I heard a, a concert by Henry Mancini in um, McCormick Place and they played the Peter Dunn theme And it was so exciting. You know, these big brass fanfare and the heavy bass line, ostinato, and it just thrilled me. You know, I thought it was really exciting. And I just always went for excitement in music, colors, vivid expressionism. I mean, I guess I was taking piano lessons, and I heard Ramsey Lewis do the in crowd. And I thought, you know, I can kind of do that. I can kind of imitate that. And when I found that I could, I thought, well, that's Wow, you know, it opens up a whole lot of activity. It's going to be fun. And I, and I kept pursuing things that way. I mean, I, I discovered the jazz record mark, I think, on my 17th birthday in 1967. And uh, here was this whole world, and I would just spend hours there reading liner notes, listening to whatever they would put on the turntable, mm-hmm. and learning about the history. And uh, yeah, I did that for like three or four years. I mean, I listened to rock and roll, and I like rock and roll, but... I found that a lot of people liked rock and roll and had more took it more seriously than I did because I thought the musical qualities of jazz were more sophisticated and more various, freer, uh, and coming up with more complicated and yet 
directly expressive results. So I got a fun question for you. Someone approaches you, Howard, and you start talking and, you know, you get on the subject of jazz and they're not into jazz, but they want to get into jazz. Who would you recommend they check out? Like, is there any specific record saying this is, if you want to get into jazz, these five records are Jazz 101? Well, you know, I always try to look at that person and figure out what is really going to appeal to them because the musical is so broad. I mean, there's something for everybody, and uh, uh, it's, it's a little dangerous to say, well, you just think this one is definitely get you into it. But I would say, like, the canon the place that I would start, of course, kind of blue. It's just a beautiful record. It's a beautiful example, Miles Davis' kind of blue, of a small group working closely together, creating a great mood, uh, and developing those uh, that mood through uh, melodic improvisation. And you get to hear John Coltrane play beautifully, and Miles Davis play beautifully, and Cannonball Adderley, and Bill Evans, and they all sound like themselves. They don't sound like each other, but they are compatible with each other, beautifully compatible. Uh, the melodies are fairly simple, uh, easy to grasp, and the mood is kind of blue, and it's pretty. I love the Eric Dolphy record, Out to Lunch. I think for somebody who's looking for something with a little bit more edge and, and uh, to take them someplace they've never been before, uh, I think Out to Lunch is one of the ways to go. It's got really... Uh, great rhythm section that Bobby Hutcherson on vibes is punctuating uh, Tony Williams, the drummer, very sharp attack and Eric Dolphy, the leader of the uh, group on um, bass clarinet and uh, alto saxophone and flute is just a, 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 an awesome improviser. They're doing very imaginative things. And then his foil on the record is uh, the trumpeter, Freddie Hubbard. He's got a great brass sound and, Fierce attack and just stands up to it. Um, another record I love a lot. If somebody's uh, like singing, my favorite is Betty Carter. And inside Betty Carter, we have a record from 1962. Very short tracks. She wrote several of them. I think that's great. What one minute thirty second version of my favorite things, which is uh, uh, referencing the John Coltrane version, which was a big hit that year, and she holds a note for, I don't know, 45 seconds. And it's just, it's just... Uh, Amazing. It chills, yeah. It gives me chills just to mention it. The John Coltrane records, uh, uh, one of the quartet records, like um, Ballads, is very beautiful. Or uh, Live at Birdland is another great one. Now, we're a, a college radio station. What role has college radio played at all in, in jazz music? It's been very important. College radio has been very important to sustaining jazz. Um, so many commercial stations have played no jazz at all, and uh, college stations almost all over the country do play jazz. There's always a couple people like you, Peter, who uh, like this music, love it, are interested in it, and want to share it. And that's done on college stations, say, all over the place. Are we lucky to have NPR stations that do that also? stations in Chicago like WPCB, which is a college station also, College of DuPage, uh, WNUR, Northwestern Station, WHPK, uh, University of Chicago Station, kind of a small listening radius, but nonetheless, they uh, uh, entertain Hyde Park very well. And um, I, I, 
when I went to Syracuse, W-A-E-R in Syracuse, uh, College Station was a big jazz promoter, too. You know, if you don't have to get the advertising, because jazz doesn't seem to attract big numbers of that, that appeal to advertisers. I mean, we all love music, and it's our music, and yet we're not spending much money on it, it seems like. Yeah. It's known it, for just, you know, so, so a non-commercial station is really uh, a savior as an outlet. You have five words to describe jazz. What are they? Rhythm, color, interaction, virtuosity, imagination. And that was my conversation with Howard Mandel. For more information on the Jazz Institute of Chicago, please visit their website, jazzinchicago.org. I'm Peter Creighton, and thanks for listening. Thank you very much for listening to this WXAV 88.3 FM podcast. Be sure to visit our website, wxav.com, for more information on your escape from ordinary radio.